Welcome to the weekend must watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the week in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, he can stop a dinosaur with a hand gesture. <laughs> it's Arturo Zurita. The man also stopped Buzz Lightyear at the box office on that second week, so I guess. <laughs> I guess those Chris Pratt hands do a little bit more than we thought, Zach. Um, but it's been a minute. I, I almost yeah. died not watching Jurassic Park, but almost kind of watching the some, new Jurassic uh, World. Need <laughs> some health and safety protocols to go oh, through. Man. But so there's a bug out there, Zach. I don't know if you've heard. It, it spreads like yeah. crazy. Um, yeah, we weren't able to come back uh, last week. I, I was a little sick. My voice was shot. And what was crazy about it was uh, we had gone to a screening, and I guess someone in that screening had it so it wasn't until mm-hmm. the next day when i'm seated for out of all movies act to get this email that hey you know you guys might want to go get yourself tested crimes of the future zach a movie <laughs> where Viggo, Viggo Morrison is speaking the whole time with like a bug in his throat uh and i'm sitting there and i get the 10 minutes into the movie hey maybe go get yourself checked you may have something in your throat as well and i just gotta hear Viggo going the whole time but we're back oh, for the no. most part i think i'm still alive uh but I won't be if I have to <laughs> rewatch this Jurassic World Dominion. So uh, we don't have too many movies in theaters, oh, Zach. But out of the two movies that we have in theaters, I know you like one mm-hmm. more than the other because you lied to me and you said you were a Woody fan. Uh, but then we also have the <laughs> Jurassic World ones where I know you're not the biggest of fan. No, not at all. I don't even like in that pose. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's he kind of he does sort of like a right angle with his feet once to the side and once forward, and then the the like stop hand it's gesture, the you know, just like pose, yeah, stop, yeah, just to stop right there. He's got his to, his raptor was, training pose, and and he knows how to hit it. I told Alina he gets cut in this new one, right? And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, it's a pack that he's making with the dinosaur. And then she looks me dead in the eye and she goes, search up his Funko Pop. They cut his hand so they could have a new Funko Pop that's got the bandana on it. <laughs> Anyways, for what we've been watching this week, I figured let's just get through the one that I think we both made the trek out to theaters for. One yep, that, yep. Um, I look, I'm a big Jurassic Park fan. I did the whole rewatch. I was excited for it. And I guess that's my fault for thinking that I was going to get what the trailer promised. Zach, Jurassic World <laughs> Dominion. Yeah. Um, Jurassic World Dominion. I don't know, because I've never been, like, a huge fan of this series. Yes, the first movie is, is like, very good, but it very quickly goes south. And uh, I don't know, I, I've i just never been on the Trevorrow trilogy. Uh, it, it's, it's always felt like a miscalculation of what made the first one good. Um, there's you know, a return to some of the, like, just needless brutality that he liked to feature in the first one here. Um, and it, it mostly kind of just was a bunch of nonsense plot, right? Like, I I just sat there listening to a lot of people go back and forth about DNA and about cloning and about the, you know, oh, but these guys brought the dinosaurs back to life for a different... Br- and it, it just all feels like mumbo jumbo to get to boring scenes that don't uh, other scenes that don't work. You don't like the human characters? This cast right here isn't, <laughs> you know, the the standout reason why you go to go watch these movies. 
I, I can barely remember their names, man. I th- I, there was a review, a scathing review that came out. Uh, it was so good. The yeah. guy had to go back and uh, in his tags put the review. Uh, he practically refers to them as Owen? Question mark? Claire? Question mark? <laughs> but they said something in that review that uh, I want to quote here. The movie is dino adjacent. And I think that is like the biggest problem with the film it lies to you that it's about dinosaurs that it you know this yes. whole buildup from jurassic world the first one which i thought is decent jurassic world 2 has great direction i hate the storyline but it was meant to build up to this final conclusion this crazy thing where they're going to bring back for the first time all the actors from the original and it's supposed to be jurassic world where they're taking over a dominion and they're like nah we're just going to jump forward and all that stuff that we didn't show you in the trailer this right. really is about locust and there's this uh like biosyn apple like tim cook yeah. ceo who's like taking over stuff and i'm not against a storyline like that but that's not what y'all pitched this story is it's, about it's dinosaur so, it's so stupid this is they they finally like have dinosaurs leave the park, leave the island. There are dinosaurs in the real world, and we spend the entire time focusing on Apple TV and <laughs> bugs, you know? Like, what, what is the deal with this? I, I don't get it. There was uh, There's moments in, in the movie that I'll say, if you're a big, you know, just going in it for the dinosaurs and you don't care about the story. I think that's the big problem. That's the big rift. Well, th- yeah. Some people don't care about the story of it. They just want to see the spectacle of it. Uh, I got to see this in Dolby. I think it lives up to the spectacle. It's not mm-hmm. perfect, um, but I think out of the three Jurassic World movies, they do a lot of uh, mixture of practical effects and CGI effects, and I think it works very well for a lot of the scenes that they have. Mm-hmm. But there are moments where there's like a dinosaur trying to sniff Dallas uh, Bryce that's Howard's butt, and I don't understand why it's doing that because I go home and I see someone venting in my comment section talking about how that specific dinosaur is an herbivore so that makes you think not only right. should it be able to smell uh bryce ellis howard getting into the water but if it's a herbivore what is it doing is this the joker dinosaur that colin trevorrow was talking about it makes absolutely i don't think even no was sense. that one it's supposed to be the giga yeah. one that they have yeah so right i don't know a lot Th- of the that's the thing just don't go anywhere I, I think i i think i realized that this is not a movie that's meant to be enjoyed by discerning adults this is a movie that's meant to be watched with your like 9 year old nephew who points at the screen and is like that's the iguanodon it's like thank you you know that is the iguanodon i get it uh, it's it's like kind of cool to see the dinosaurs on screen but like you mentioned there's kind of like no real connection made with a lot of them in nope. the way that like it has been in the past and I'm not talking about like an emotional connection, just even like a connection in terms of stakes, in terms of like why we care about this thing rather than it's just the, the latest five minute set piece, right? Like there's a big matchup between the Gigadon or whatever Joker dinosaur, uh, Trevor came up with and a couple other dinosaurs towards the end of the movie, which should be like the big heightened climax. And it kind of just feels like, all the people that we've been spending time with are are watching like a little fight go on in the re- you know it's like it, it there's no there's no connection between what's happening with the dinosaurs and what the human characters are going through none it all it's all about what the human characters are going through and i don't care what the human characters what the human are going characters through. We don't. Yeah. You know those moments where yeah. they finally focus on Blue? If they had the balls to actually make a movie where you're just focused on that animal, you know, your whole thing about dino rights, they should they should be able to exist here too. One, that's not possible. There's going to be violence. But imagine if they actually had good storytellers that would have been able to do something with just like the dinosaur perspective. 
that would require actual filmmaking. Uh, so instead, we get Chris Pratt, who thinks he's in a Taken movie. They did my girl Dallas. <laughs> right. Terrible. She's just a housewife in this one. She's literally chucking corn, Zach. Mm-hmm. They have her at home chucking corn, which I'd watch an hour of, but that's not the point of her action, like, superhero <laughs> pose in this. What did you think of the original cast? I, you know, I kind of feel like they were just there. I, I don't feel like they had a whole whole lot asked of him. I don't feel like they invested a whole lot in this. Uh, Jeff Goldblum in particular gives a very kind of like blah, just reading my lines performance. It, it yeah. feel it felt under, it felt half-baked to me. You know, I there's even that moment that is in the trailers with Sam Neill and Chris Pratt saying don't move and they don't even say it at the same time. You know, like, couldn't they get another take? You're talking about the Scooby-Doo sequence? Uh, with they yeah. all just <laughs> going like this, trying to run away from the dinosaur? Yep. Uh, look, I, I'm more disappointed. I, I think you had no expectations to it. I'm yes. a big Jurassic Park fan. I watched all six leading up to this one. So I got a lot of the references. A lot of them don't make any sense. It's clear that they want to expand this universe. I smell prequels in the future with mm-hmm. a certain clone character that they have in this. I know they want to make it as big as possible. But I'm just tired of Colin hating being in franchises and directing franchise movies. Right. It makes no sense to me. Um, but yeah, that's Jurassic World. I don't know. What did you end up giving this one, dude? <laughs> I mean, I, I gave it one and a half because I was just miserable watching it. Like, it t- I had to convince myself <laughs> to go sit through it because even the people who... I feel uh, like should be sympathetic or kind yeah. to this movie were mixed at best. So yeah. I, I knew I was never really going to enjoy myself. You know, catch it, it. It topped two weekends in a row and we'll get right now. how yeah. It did with the box office and financially uh, successful. If you just want to see the spectacle, I'm not going to deny that. Go see the spectacle for you want it's over two hours. I don't think it needs to be, but uh, Zach described, it's like a movie definitely geared for like kids who just want to see like the big dinosaurs roar. So then what's mm-hmm. the point of the locust, climate change, uh, the food <laughs> supply? That's not that's not a storyline for them. And I think that they forget that yeah. in the original, you were able to combine a storyline about uh, these dinosaurs who are able to survive and how you're trying to go against mankind with characters who are also kind of dealing with should they have children or not. Go back and watch the original. It still lives up to the hype. Uh, and I think the new one doesn't do it justice. Which I guess is also my review, Zach. For the new Disney Pixar Lightyear. Now, you love this movie, yeah. man. Turns out you're not I the big Woody was, fan. I thought it was fine. thought it was good, but I didn't think it was great. Um, I don't understand why the last two Pixar movies that I thought were very good. Turning Red, yeah. I think you, you enjoyed just as much as I did. Um, That's Soul? my favorite Pixar movie in a while. And those weren't in theaters. Yeah. Those weren't going to sell as much toys as Lightyear was. And my phrase has been going, the only infinity to be on that they wanted was the infinity dollars, <laughs> the amount that they could make with everything they're going to do uh, with yeah. this. I thought it was cute. I like the animation. I think it has some of the most annoying characters and some world building that makes absolutely no sense if you've seen any of the mm-hmm. uh, previous Toy Stories that come to it. Uh, can you explain to people, in your own words, what this is in terms of, in terms of the world <laughs> of Pixar Toy Story? Well, I thought it at its best, it wanted to be Pixar's version of like a Tom Cruise movie with like the action sequences and he's he's fly, flying the plane. Like maybe it's just because I'm hot off of Top Gun Maverick, but there were sequences that <laughs> were kind of like the anime. <laughs> yeah, which I actually, I actually yes. enjoyed those. 
I thought those were some of the most most captivating parts of the movie when you're really like on this space adventure and then and then like you say you know they they try a little bit too hard to make it like this plucky gang of lovable characters who you know have their little quirks and whatever and it's it just is so obviously positioned to be like these are the toys you're going to buy these are the characters who will make up the sequels and it it feels um it feels too crafted rather than organic, right? Like they're just 100%. sort of, ho- these people are hoisted upon Buzz in the story. They're not organically brought in to the events. So, you know, for every sequence that was visually stunning, and I, I want to double down on what you said, I think this is maybe one of the best looking Pixar movies in a while in terms of like some of the photorealism, uh, you know, they're, they're not going fully photorealistic, but they're doing it in a way that blends the character design with... Uh, you know, just the the space setting really well. I thought it looked awesome. Um, but yeah, it, it ultimately I was just kind of, it was a little bit hokey. It's a bit thin. I don't really care much about the people here. I think we'll get a little bit more into this if we want to do a, an after, a short after credits after Please. this live. Please. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm mixed on it. I, there's aspects to it. Of it I enjoyed, you know, I was just to be in a theater, seeing a Pixar movie again was a huge joy, but um it's, it's definitely not the best that they've put out recently. What do you think of the short that played beforehand? Uh, oh, sorry. Did I say short? short? I meant the, uh, like, 50 after credits because now everything is multiverses. Everything is time yep. travel. Everything is after credits. I will praise the animation to death. I think the animation is beautiful. I think mm-hmm. uh, they always excel in that. And I I also really like the homages that they did for all the sci-fi movies. Uh, my mm-hmm. mean self would say that this is nothing but a remix of every classic thing that you've ever seen. You could stop every yeah. single moment that they have. The movie has nothing original in that sense. It's the same story of the toy and what it goes through. And all the sci-fi stuff is stuff that you've seen in like all of your favorite um, space movies before. But I thought it did a good job homaging that. To me, it's just the characters are some of the most convenient things in this movie. I actually really like the voice acting. I like the relationship that Buzz has um, with Izzy and then with what would have been her grandma. I like the sequences yeah. uh, with It's like, not Kiki Palmer's fault. No. Her and uh, Adubo, they do a fantastic job with the voice acting. Uh, Chris Evans, I'm split on though. I, I'm very split and it could have just be because I'm so used to Tim Allen. I think Tim Allen says the two Infinity and Beyond line better than yeah. he does. 100%. But Chris kills that not today zerg line like crazy so i i i'm a big fan of the way that he does that um i just i i feel like the the story of buzz trying to learn his lesson of how you know there are people who make mistakes is so in the forefront that you then get annoying characters like taika's who just because he makes mistakes you forget that you continuously see him going through that and it just becomes a nuisance in my in my mind. I'm also tired of Taika. I, I didn't think I would say that, Zach. In 2016, you would have told me that would have been like just done with him. Uh, uh, my theory is that Taika won the screenwriting Oscar and since then, he has not cared to do anything since. He himself nope. has nope. called out that he is a terrible actor. When he's director Taika, he thinks actor Taika is terrible. And he also said screenwriter Taika hates both director Taika and actor Taika. I am tired mm-hmm. Of seeing him do the most annoying performances in these movies, uh, Free mm-hmm. Guy, I did not hate, but I did hate yeah. him going in there to improv. Um, I, I, that I, Taika, I don't know, dude. That Taika Waititi shtick is just very, very tired at this point. It's old, um, bro. It, yeah, it just kind of feels like a copy of a copy of the things that he's been doing, and yeah. I don't know, like yeah, I'm, I'm 
definitely tired of it. Um, but it's for a new audience. It's for kids. So maybe maybe they'll appreciate it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Why did Andy not have this toy right here, bro? If I was Andy, I would have had that cat. I don't even like oh, cats. Oh, yeah. I would die for socks. How, how is going not, on? Socks not part of the collection. He's a cheat code. What dude. kind he, of... You know how Hollywood loves yeah. putting cats in there. Anytime this cat said anything, yeah. it annoys me how easy of a cheat code it is for people. But I just kept being confused. I was like, why would he not have this? And That's I've the, heard the explanations that they have but I don't, did not make sense to me. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It, it doesn't... It, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I was also, like, when Socks first shows up, you kind of roll your eyes because you see the strings being pulled. But it's a combination of, like, they, they are just very pretty funny with that character in particular. Yeah. And I, I want to shout out Peter Sohn, who is a, in one of the artists at Pixar, one of the that's directors. Right. I think he co-directed The Good Dinosaur. But mm -hmm. he, where I think he really excels is as a vocal artist. Because this crazy? isn't his first iconic nope. Pixar character. He's Emil from Ratatouille. And he's and so squishy. funny in both these roles. Yes, sir. He's also squishy at Monsters University. And I was uh, yeah. listening up on him. Uh, the What's the little kid's name in Up? Oh, um, he's modeled. Ah, shoot, what's the little kid's name? He's modeled after him. He yeah, did the it, voice. I, you but think he was you can kind of tell? Do it, yeah. So I I agree with you. Uh, good dinosaur. That's all right. He's doing Elemental yeah. too. He's going to be directing Elemental, uh, the new oh, Pixar one. But I, I love hearing that he was the temp voice for Socks. And then they're like, Nah, we're keeping you. So yep. I, I agree with you there. Um, I did think he was a deuce cat machina. The, the, it just comes in to do anything that, that, that needs to be done. Uh, but yeah, Peterson yep. definitely killed it in that voice. And like I said, I thought Kiki Palmer nice. does great uh, mm -hmm. in, in her role. I, I think their relationship uh, and how it compares to the relationship he had with the mom um, or grandma, sorry, uh, was pretty cool. But overall, I think it's worth the rent it. Uh, the only reason I would say go to see it in theaters is I don't know if you heard they created virtual IMAX cameras for this thing. So there uh -oh. are supposed to be scenes that are shot like not even in one nine but one four three. Uh, I don't think it's mm -hmm. the most crucial thing to go have to spend the extra money on it, but I, I don't know. I think people have gotten. It's a good so looking movie. It. It's a beautiful looking movie. I, I yeah. don't love the characters, but damn, do I love the design of it. I still just think it's pointless. Do you think we're gonna get a Woody one? Are we gonna get a Woody prequel? Woody Red Dead Redemption. I mean, at this point, why not? You know, they they seem to be wringing every drop out of. Their oh IP gosh. possible. I know this one was a little bit of a financial disappointment, but it still made a decent chunk of change. They make the money in the toys. Remember, at the yeah. end of the day, he's not a character, Zach. He's a toy. merchandise. Merchandise, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, I think I would end up giving Lightyear a three. I think you were a little higher on it than I would. I think. <sighs> The I might be at a three as well, though. Like, I might maybe it's a stronger three than yours, but it's also a three. Yeah. Long live Woody. Uh, let's kite over <laughs> to the streaming stuff. Uh, some really quick ones that let's were a lot stuff to that stream. came out. Yeah, a lot of streaming, so we'll chug right through them. This one, mm -hmm. uh, pretty quick, because people are finally getting the chance to see it. Unlike this Pixar movie that should have been in homes everywhere on Disney+, Plus. this one is available mm -hmm. on the other Plus service, which is Apple+. Plus. Cooper Rafe's Cha-Cha Real Smooth, a movie that we were able to catch at Sundance about a guy who doesn't know how to start his own party, so he's starting everybody else's party. He's always playing Cha-Cha Real Smooth uh, as he's the DJ for uh, just everybody who's at that point where they're growing up, where he just decided to put pause on his life. Uh, I know that this was a movie that he, uh, to a degree... 
not just dedicated, but made it with uh, his sister in mind, um, and how he tends to see a lot of movies where they use a character with disability as like the forefront character. And I know for Dakota Johnson, who was also in Peanut Butter Falcon not too long ago, that's like a big thing. Uh, that she's always like looking for. I think she's fantastic in this movie. She said she would not have been in this movie if Cooper wasn't going to star in this movie like he did in his previous one. Right. So out of Hollywood, man, this is like this guy, he seems to be that guy. People want to work with this mm -hmm. dude like <laughs> to a degree that uh, I've heard nothing but great things about him. Um, we made the joke that he won South by with his previous movie, win Sundance with this movie. And I think it's barely being able to see this stuff in theaters, but not even because this mm -hmm. one went home streaming. I don't know if you had a chance to rewatch this one, um, but I haven't. Those at home, I haven't rewatched it, it yet. I haven't rewatched it yet, but it's doing that thing where uh, all of a sudden my letterbox review from months ago are getting a whole bunch of new likes on it. And the thing that I've noticed with the people who are are <sighs> liking my review is they're all giving it. Four stars, four and a half stars, five stars, hearts all the way up and down the page. People are really responding to this movie. And I, so I'm really encouraging you, if you haven't checked it out yet, uh, to give it a shot. Because there's a lot of people who are really, really into uh, this nice core brand that Cooper Rafe <laughs> is nice developing. One of, the, one of the people who's maybe not as into it is Maureen Dowd from the New York Times. I don't know if you caught her review of Cha-Cha Real Smooth, but I she kind of right eviscerates. Here, yeah, they went yeah, she kind of, what, What'd you say? <laughs> she eviscerated the, kind of both the movie and Cooper Rafe. She kind of called it a movie about a guy who's only curious about himself. Um, I don't agree with oh. all of the criticisms in, in the review, but it's a sharply written review. So if you are somebody who didn't respond as positively to as most people to Cha-Cha Real Smooth, uh, maybe check out Maureen Dowd. But I, I think you'll like it. We we both liked Cha-Cha Real Smooth when we caught it earlier, and uh, we both liked Shit House. I think we're in Cooper Rafe's corner. I liked it. Uh, I would definitely recommend people to go see it. Um, yeah. I can't wait to see what he does next. He's, he's Are you... Not as high on it as most people, because there's a lot of people who are who are coming out strong for Cha Cha Real Smooth. I feel like I like it just as much because I like this way more than Shit House. I like it a lot. I just to some people, I, I can't say I like it as much as them because it seems to be hitting something uh, with mm -hmm. them. And I don't know if it's like the white boy aesthetic that he's got. Yeah. So I don't want to like take that representation away from them. But he's just got <laughs> he's got something that I think connects with a lot of people. I very much enjoy it, but mm -hmm. I don't think like it. It's like as life changing to me as it is for other people. But right. I, I feel like I am just as high as they are. I think it's a really good movie and I hope to see this towards the end. The one thing that I told you is I know how Apple is. And like I explained, he made this movie dedicated for his sister but did not make the disability the forefront. I swear to you, no one Apple's campaigns, if they start doing that with this movie, because I think it's the biggest one that they have, yeah. uh, that's going to that's gonna be a little ugly for me because I think it excels in feeling uh, – very authentic and not making it like a message movie. Yeah. It's very much your, a little your more subtle than vibing that. with them. Exactly. Um, but Cha Cha Real Smooth over on Apple TV. Definitely give that one a watch. Um, Spiderhead on Netflix based off of a short story starring uh, Chris Hemsworth and Miles Teller. Directed by Joseph Kaczynski who just did Top Gun. Mm -hmm. Y'all should go watch Top Gun in theaters. <laughs> There's a good reason why. <laughs> just, just, just go to theaters. Netflix is not giving you the same type of quality content. Did you get the chance to catch this? I did. I did. Um, I'm, I'm people. mixed on it, as I think it seems like you are, too. Yeah. 
Do you want to give a synopsis? Because yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe this. I feel like it's two movies in one. Yeah, so it's the story of uh, this island where prisoners are sent to participate in Eric's experimental drug therapy. Is for They're like developing these drugs for the wider public. Uh, but there's also like this sort of other like nefarious element going on of like are are they being lied to are they being manipulated how ethical is all this and like everything i just described i think sounds like an extremely interesting movie it's just that like the way it's handled here is about as paper thin as you can imagine for that type of plot like I, i when i watched this movie uh, I was telling Caitlin, like, I compared it to a wafer. Like, it tastes good, but the second it hit my tongue, it dissolved. And I don't know if I'll Ooh. be able to tell you any plot, tales, uh, plot details Ooh. a week from now. You should write for a living. Uh, yeah, it definitely <laughs> feels like a short story that's been stretched out to a feature film. It feels like it should have uh, actors to the caliber of Ex Machina, in my opinion, because it, it yeah. I thought this was an action movie. It is not an action movie. This is a theater piece, practically. And listening it's to a all, thriller. It's a mood piece. Yeah, this is. they talked about how this is just, you know, dialogue going back and forth. And I think all the actors in this are really good. I like Miles Teller. I like Journey. And I think Chris Hemsworth in movies like Black Hat is able to bring a lot to it. But it's written mm-hmm. by the two writers who did Deadpool. They were writing this as a comedy. I think Joseph Kaczynski's writing this as a cerebral type of thing, a sci-fi right, that's right. not into the too distant future. And then Netflix thought that this was like the precursor to uh, The Gray Man or something like that. They're like, hey, look, we got another Avenger <laughs> over here in this one. I think it's very convoluted, but it's it's it has interesting stuff going with it with uh, yeah. uh, a lot of themes of forgiveness and this whole concept of like really the, the prison system and how you could use uh, people as, as uh, you know, just test buddies, a lot of um, – what's that experiment, the one where – is it the Milton one? Where it's Stanford like, Prison Experiment? That's another one too. Uh, yeah. Which are all movies that handle this a lot better. Um, I think right. there's potential here, and I'm just kind of conflicted with it. I didn't hate it, but it was kind of tonally all over the place. Yeah. It kind of felt like Netflix was playing with those little B1s and everything that they control <laughs> the humans with, and they just did that with the script. But right. Right. Like, it's it's not unpleasant to watch, and I right. wouldn't call it boring. You know, I think you're not going to be like, that was a waste of time, but it, it it's there's not a whole lot to chew on. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Like, it's not... I don't think it's really making any kind of big statement about pharma or big tech or like workplace culture or, you know, the prison industrial complex. It has all those elements in it, but it's not really doing anything with it. It's just it's just a small, you know, three hander type of story with, I think, like a very fun Chris Hemsworth performance and then kind of bland Miles Teller performance. I like Mm -hmm. Miles Teller, but I. I, I don't know if this was the right character for him. I agree with you. But he's worked with Joseph Kaczynski yeah. a lot. Uh, I think this is his yeah, third, third movie. film together. <laughs> back to back to back. So uh, good for them. Spider-Man you know, and streaming on Netflix. Uh, I heard this on another podcast, but Joseph Kaczynski likes to put Miles Teller in these kind of like stoic roles where he's very like inwardly tormented. And I don't. That's not what I like about Miles Teller. I, I like Agreed. him as a more expressive, dry kind of character. I agree. Uh, I like Miles Teller when he's, uh, let me see if this loads right here, not wearing this ugly mullet. Moving on. Good luck to you, <laughs> Leo Grande. Finally came out on Hulu. 
Uh, yeah. I was really hoping this would have a theatrical release. This was this was one of the surprise hits we had at Sundance that we had mentioned, uh, where you have a woman who's in her 50s who decides to get a sex worker, I want to say. And at first, yeah. it's you know just them talking. And it's really a movie about her being able to explore herself and realizing that even with age, it doesn't mean you can't have that confidence and really a lot of deeper conversations that happen between these two. Uh, I think you had called this a perfect COVID movie because they're meeting up in hotels and then that's mm-hmm. their way of uh, being able to kind of like have a whole, uh, I, I don't want to say theater piece again, but kind of that that just dialogue sequences between the two. It's practically right. a bottle I mean, film. Yeah, it's basically a bottle film. It's it's one location. It's two actors. Like I, I think they the film you know takes place over a longer period of time, but it's still like contained to this general area. So um, yeah, like you know, it kind of keeps the contained keeps the content of the movie really contained to these two people who, you know you got to make sure you get the casting right and the writing right to want to stay interested in them. But, you know, if you can get the repartee to this level, you have like a really excellent bottle film, like a perfect kind of COVID movie, something that I think would be excellent on stage, but probably works a little bit better because it it is so intimate and uh, you kind of want to be not just in the room, but like, yeah, you you want to be like on the bed with them, you know? (laughs) I mean, Emma's fantastic in this. I think this is a perfect yeah. movie where the dialogue that they're given in the script, it falls apart if you don't have two actors like this. Um, yes. I think Hulu's a perfect place for this to be, but I wish that this was able to do a theatrical run with it. Uh, it was one of my mm-hmm. favorite little surprises out of Sundance. Uh, definitely check this one out. It's a really good movie. Yeah, uh, streaming over uh, and shout to... Uh, shouts to Daryl McCormick, who, you know, not an easy task to go up opposite Emma Thompson. And I think he holds nope, his own very admirably not. here. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. the best thing that I've seen him in. Uh, but definitely watch A Good Woman is Hard to Find. I really like that one, too. So he knows how to take mm. good projects. Cool. cool. Uh, moving on to another streaming one on Shutter. This is one. Uh, giving a yeah. little quick shout out to the patrons because we're going to be doing another Patreon hangout tonight. Zach will talk about that more in a little bit. But mm-hmm. this has been talked about so much we've missed it at some festivals we've had a screener link i think but it might have not been the best quality it is on shutter in its full glorious 30 years in the making glory <laughs> mad god by phil tippett a man who is how, how do you even describe the dude who worked on jurassic park and made like the stuff that still to this right. day is competing with jurassic world <laughs> three you know he practically said, uh, I had to do this. This wasn't this wasn't a job. This was a duty. Uh, I had to put this out there. I literally just finished it before um, coming on here. It was the final thing that I saw. And um, what? <laughs> this thing is a nightmare. <laughs> this thing is like the creepiest stuff. There's one thing in stop motion that always gets me. And that's when they decide to mix um, real stuff. Like, like humans or like a real element to it it's just creepy because it feels like no those two things don't live in the same world and he just finds a way to get into your subconscious and and like especially with the sound design because i was watching it on these bad boys i don't recommend it and i do recommend it this is an experience (laughs) um yeah it is a very crazy movie i put it up there with uh one of my other favorites from last year i don't know if it surpasses it i'll have to see it again but wolf house which is also on shutter another movie that uses stop motion in the creepiest way possible Zach, did you get to experience this? 
I, I haven't gotten around to Mad God yet with oh, Tribeca. I've, I had a lot of other things to watch, but That's this fair. has been like near the top of my list for a little while. So I'm, I am disappointed in myself because I was thinking of trying to catch it. It's playing in the in the city, but you know, ooh, that would we'll, be we'll crazy. See. I'm going to watch it soon. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. So we'll we'll see. If I can't catch it at IFC Center, then uh, I'll, yeah. I'll I'll bite the bullet and watch it on Shutter because I, I know I'm going to really enjoy this one. Yeah. It's dope that it's in theaters. Um, but yeah, it's on Shutter. So for those of you who are interested in this one, definitely give it a watch. It's uh, the better Jurassic Park legacy, I guess, if you want to call it. But just know this is not a uh, happy movie. I'm just going to put it there. It is not a happy movie. But damn, the detail <laughs> the movie of this. called Mad God is not a happy movie. <laughs> No, Zach. <laughs> uh, but check that out. It is over on Shutter. On the complete opposite side of things, Father yes. of the Bride. I don't know if you got to catch the new incarnation of this movie. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that this is actually not just a remake of the 90s one, uh, which I think a lot of people really uh, love. The one that has, um, oh, I'm blinking on him. Come, Steve come Martin. Back. Steve Martin. But this goes back to the 50s. Um, there's been several of these, and this is the new modern twist where a Cuban family and a Mexican family are coming together while the, I guess, the uh, the patriarch of the family is also going through a divorce himself. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Um, I know we yeah. uh, talked about a couple weeks ago uh, The Valet, which was also a remake to a French film. Kind mm-hmm. of in that same level, a, a perfect type of streaming movie uh, to kind of catch, maybe to some in the background that I think has pretty... Uh, decent characters in there and gives its own little spin, even if it's not going to be as iconic as the previous one. Yeah. I, you know, when I was first watching the film, I was a little bit like not sold, you know, it has some, a lot of cliched elements. Andy Garcia plays this father who's like, he's not happy about giving his little girl away. And how come he didn't ask for my hand in marriage? And, and then I think it becomes a little bit more interesting than that. I, I still could have used some more jokes, but I think where this film succeeds is that you actually do get like a good picture of the families of the different characters and different dynamics and the way that it all kind of comes together and everybody has to pull together at the end. It just, I, I think it's one of those sort of heartwarming funny family dramas that if you're in if you're going to watch a movie like Father of the Bride in the first place then it kind of hits that that um that level that you're looking for in a movie like exactly. this exactly i agree so over on hbo max i also liked it to have uh, gloria stefan's in this you see my man's right here bro mm-hmm. do you see my man's right here it's a steering oh, wheel yes. and it flies <laughs> <laughs> you have no like good car ideas. I was so I laughed so hard when Ruben Rosada showed up, and he, and he also has one of the go- best jokes in the movie. Well, when they do the fight, the, or which one? No, when the the Immortalis they they passed away. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There's another one he does where they're about to fight, and he like he like throws out his flag. Uh, very funny yeah. stuff. Uh, but I know uh, this was a movie that for Andy. Uh, he, him producing it, he like went out of his way. This woman in the back, bro, she was like falling in some of the scenes. <laughs> Not to call her out, but she was like collapsing. They were like holding on to her as they were filming these scenes. Turns out she's almost an 100-year-old Cuban woman who in the last three years finally started singing. And he found her, hmm. produced a, like a mini tour for her, and then put her in this movie. So a little fun fact there. Uh, wow. Good guy Andy. Good guy Andy out there. Yeah. So... Father of the Bride. Check that out over on HBO Max. Not a cool. you know perfect movie, but I don't think that's what it was going for. Check that one out on HBO. On Paramount Plus, though, we get, we're getting a lot of these movies that like would have been all right movies in theaters, 
big casts, and they're going to streaming, mm-hmm. dude. Jerry yeah. and Marge Go Large is a Paramount Plus original with probably the most stacked cast that you can find. Brian Casson, uh, Cranston, Annette Benning, Rain Wilson as a supporting role. Larry Wilmore, mm-hmm. who, bro, Larry yeah. Wilmore, Larry Wilmore is like an underground legend, honestly. When you see the stuff that oh, he's yeah. produced, I don't Dude, think he gets enough respect. Basically, every iconic <laughs> black TV show. That's all I'm going to say. I don't think he gets enough yeah. respect. Uh, I don't know if you got to catch this one, but it is. I did. This is actually it's, also technically part of Tribeca, um, yep. although it's publicly available. Uh, but I, I did watch it, and it, uh, I, I think this—I thought this one was actually kind of delightful. Um, Cute. Yeah, like it's not necessarily doesn't have huge aspirations, but as this fun story about this couple that you know finds a clever way, you know, way to make money. You know, it's one of those stories that's like. Uh, like a scheme they hatch a scheme and they have to try to develop uh, see it out and i think it just never feels um it never really feels like it hits a false note to me um they it feels kind of true to the sort of small town ethos that the characters are trying to uh display but then when it actually gets a little bit more like a crime caper it also doesn't feel like they're suddenly heisenberg or something right like they they manage to stay true to the types of characters that they they carve out and it it's just very charming you know it's very it's a very sweet movie and pretty funny too do you remember that other one that's on paramount that they were like collecting coupons and i want to say yeah you know what i'm talking about it, it feels I do, like this but I can't remember a, the title of it. I can't remember the title of it either. With um, Kristen Bell, right? Kristen Bell is in the movie, yes. So it reminds me a yeah. lot of that one. It's like, yeah, something about coupons. But uh, that would make a good double feature with this one. I agree with everything you said about its setting and the way that they make it feel like this like homegrown thing. I do not believe Annette Benning has ever stepped foot. <laughs> to me, Annette, uh, this is like a compliment to her. I feel Annette Benning is yeah. so freaking classy. I just don't see her eating at the diner. The diner eating. I hear that. That's just it. I've seen Heisenberg in Tidy Whitey's multiple times. I just feel she's <laughs> she's way too classy. So all the all the respect to her. But uh, this kid over here, man, he was so swarmy. I'm trying to remember where this where is this guy from, bro? Because I hated him so much <laughs> in this movie. He plays uh, he plays his role too well. Yeah, I don't know. By the way, the, that Kristen Bell movie was Queen Pins. Queen Pins. Thank you. Yeah, that would be a good uh, good uh, double up with this one. I, I got to pull up where this kid is from because he, he played it too well and he really annoyed me. Like, I, I was hoping someone was going to die in this movie. <laughs> All right, right here. Yuli Schleschlinger. Because he, he definitely has that, um, ah, The Sinner. That's where I know him from, The Sinner. Oh, okay. And he's in general. Oh, and I know him from Generation. He, he's also really annoying in Generation. Um, right, he's got a niche. Bad. He's, he's, he's got that niche, yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm very curious to see how they're going to be rolling stuff out like this because Paramount even said that they have a very ex- big exclusive deal to put a lot of their big movies that would have been theatrical and just going straight over here. Anything that's like 40 mil or under is going straight here. Mm-hmm. And considering that this is like a movie that I could have definitely seen play in theaters, especially in a Father's Day weekend or something, some comedy, some live-action comedy to level uh, all the big stuff that's out there, I, we're in it, dude. That whole idea of the mid-movies just going to streaming... Uh, there is no better example than this movie right here. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah, and, and it's a shame because I think, again, you know, some of these movies would be fun. Like, give them a week in theaters or something. Uh, the windows are shorter than ever. I don't know if they, if they all have to be day and date like this. I don't know about that. Yeah. 
But hey, if you're at Tribeca, you can catch that one too if you don't want a Paramount yeah. Plus subscription. Uh, speaking of Tribeca, another one that released and is also on Netflix. You know, you, you had to be there for the exclusive. They're not streaming this one online <laughs> until two days later and it's over on Netflix. Right. I find it. Let's talk about this one, no? Zach, because I, I've heard okay. so many people talk about how, like, this movie is lame. It's all up on her ego. It doesn't really say anything yep. new. And you ever see something like that and go, like, yeah, I don't disagree with any of that. But I also kind of really like the perspective she was bringing in. This is uh, a halftime movie where I know you you really loved the It's Just the Beginning tagline. Yep. <laughs> It's her turning it's 50. It's halftime, but it's also the beginning. And it's her looking back at, you know, probably one of the best halftime shows that we've had. I think we've had a pretty good halftime shows at the Super Bowl. Uh, but this was mm-hmm. actually one that you and I got to see together because we were still at Sundance uh, yeah. when the Super Bowl was happening. So we got to see them going uh, all out in this. I do feel that it's gotten a little, I don't know, undermined in the sense that uh, there was quotes that came out about how she felt about how they only had 14 minutes, meaning she only got seven to do the performance and she's got to go through everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they made it seem like she was targeting Shakira. And I think when you see the doc, I personally didn't feel like she was targeting Shakira, but goes with the entire theme of the doc that since the beginning, she's always been undermined or sexualized mm-hmm. for what she is. And I think that's part of the thing. I'm not saying it is a, an incredible doc. It doesn't do anything yeah. super crazy. Um, but I think there's a thorough line through it where she's always telling you, I'm not here complaining about not getting an Oscar and Oscar nom. I have 22 mm-hmm. Grammys. The thing is, is that I feel I deserve that nomination, and I'm still fighting something that I thought was done 20-something years ago. Um, how'd you feel about it? <laughs> um, I got to be honest, man. I think this is going to be my new go-to example of the problems of the self-produced sub- celebrity biodoc. That's that Taylor um, doc, bro. That's that Taylor <sighs> doc that we saw during this that yeah. same weekend, too. Yeah, true, but... I don't know. I think the thing with this is that, like, there's definitely a fascinating film to make about Jennifer Lopez's rise and her celebrity and the controversy she's been involved in. And it is interesting to see how she sort of, like, interpolates and and contextualizes some of those things. But I think Halftime mostly just reduces a lot of the interesting things that have happened into her career into montages that she, like about how she persevered and it's just that that's just not the most interesting way to talk about jennifer lopez i think like there's so much that you could actually get into that you don't just devote to a montage we we skip over so she can talk about how how hard it was like i get that that was hard for you but it's boring for me um I don't know. And what also, what is up with the ridiculous, like, blurry shimmer that was on half of this footage? It, it looks like the entire it's film Netflix. was done with, it's like, an Instagram Netflix, filter. Netflix, bro. Uh, yeah. We're catching Umbrella Academy. There are literal scenes where it is a GoPro. Like, it's Ugh. all oval because, you know, they needed a super wide shot, and then they cut to a normal. Right. That's just on Netflix. Alina and I, since, like, 2016, have noticed this, especially in the Sabrina show and in all of their originals. They do this crazy bokeh out lens. I don't know if they had a discount at Kodak or something, but they have like some broken lenses over there. It is so apparent in this. It, yeah, I like it. I do. I like the doc. It made me nauseous seeing yeah. some of the shots. Like they were trying to blur out characters in the back or something. It made absolutely right. no sense. I agree with you. It may not be the most invigorating. It's like, it looks like in those in those movies, like when the characters take acid. You know, and like things get a yes. little blurry on the edges. But you're like sober watching this and you're like, why, why, yeah. what's going on here? Um, I agree with everything that you're saying. Like I said, it's like I don't deny any of that. It is asking yeah. you to like fill in the blanks of, oh, you know who I am. I am so popular. 
but I still right. think you can pause and take the time to focus in on those things. I think it's very much akin okay. to uh, one of the ones, the Cheryl Crow doc that came out of uh, uh, South by that's on Showtime. 90 minutes for her career that spans two decades is really dumb. Right. 90 minutes for her career that spans two decades, also really dumb here. I think in a miniseries, you can be more introspective, and I agree with you on the fact that uh, you can't be producer on it. You need to be producer to be able to get the insights, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, being producer obviously uh, looks over a lot of the stuff. I did do my research on the South Park stuff, and stuff's really nasty. Yeah, uh, but I, I mean, South respect- Park has been very nasty to a lot of people. <laughs> I respect the one thing that she said because I had to Google it. That she created Google Images, that it sparked Google Images, and I, I'm like, there's yeah. no way. I had to go find all the it's quotes true. from the developers. Her dress literally spawned the creation of Google Images. So for that. Shout out J-Lo. Uh, I like it. I'll also say, I think the behind the scenes of just the prep of the halftime show performance is really cool too. Yep. You know, you see just the intense amounts of effort and uh, vision that has to go into it and how she's not just like a bystander in the process of it. She's really like integral in the developing of what that show was. So it was cool to get that perspective. Because it's, it's more than I talent. think I appreciated it more. I, I think I appreciated it more for being um, like a slice of her life right now than as like a career retrospective. That is, again, completely fair. But we'll see. J-Lo, her doc, Halftime, on Netflix. I'm going to go through two little quick ones as we wrap the streaming here. Gladbeck, The Hostage Crisis hit uh, trending just for a little bit. It's this documentary looking back at a 1980s uh, like bank robbery gone wrong, but they're not really like bank robbing they hold people hostage and it's these like a a crew that has been in jail and they just don't care about life and they literally are being interviewed outside of the bank they are interacting Hmm. smoking up cigarettes with the journalists and it's this crazy story that becomes about these dudes who just did not care and are willing to hurt whoever because they just don't care about society but then how journalists mingle with these people and we're giving them rides like i've never seen a a like uh i don't know if you want to call it a heist but a, a hostage movie where the guys who are holding people hostage are outside with the people it makes it, it's right. a crazy real life story uh it hmm. very much indicts um journalists and it kind of showcases the uh german laws that needed to be needed to be put into place after the events of what happened here so uh, out of a lot of the, I guess, true crime stuff that's out there, uh, the way that they approached this, I thought, was uh, done very interestingly because, again, there's footage to all of it because he was having one-on-ones with these people. Uh, crazy thing. Gladbeck, The Hostage Crisis, over on Netflix. And then The Martha Mitchell Effect. It's a short that premiered at Sundance a couple years ago. Alina really liked it. She told me, hey, mm-hmm. definitely check this one out. She kind of gets covered in that Showtime First Lady show. Um, but I think by the time you get there, you're probably knocked out because that show's so boring. Martha Mitchell Effect is only 28 minutes. And it's a really interesting story about Watergate. There's a lot of Watergate docs out there. This is about the woman who practically pissed off Nixon to the point that yep. he got him out of office. Check this doc out. It is a perfect summation of that period. This is uh, this is the character that Julia Roberts plays on that show, Gaslight, Gaslight. I have yet to check out. Yes, yeah. that's the other one. But I don't have stars, and I'm not paying for stars. I do pay for Netflix. <laughs> Martha Mitchell Effect. Definitely check that one out. Uh, but that's cool. all the stuff from streaming. We are at the part that I know Zach is very excited to talk about. Um, <laughs> well, I I know I, I think we're gonna do an after credits later this week too. Yes. But I do need to hear at least some of your thoughts because you told me that you finally 
caught up with the best show on TV right now, <clears throat> Barry? <clears throat> well, I had the time, Zach. I had nowhere to go. <laughs> I, I finished season two. I had only seen a couple of episodes of that. Rewatched the entire thing. One into three. Mm-hmm. Watched a couple sequences multiple times, I, I will say. Um, <laughs> yeah. What's it called? The 710? 710 North? Yeah. Episode six. Episode six? Yeah. Yeah. That, that's a hell of an episode yeah. right there. Yeah, that, that's the one. That's the one right there. Um, the writing uh, on the show and the acting on the show is superb. I only have one complaint. I'm, I'm tired of these stormtroopers in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of some of the blocking on some of the action scenes. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's okay. all I'm going to say. And we'll talk about it in the after credits. The rest I, is positive. Think... Y'all need to watch this show. Y'all need to catch up yeah, on the show. I... There are YouTube channels out there that just put Barry out of context. <laughs> it is the best advertisement to the show that it could possibly be. You do, like, I don't know, know how they come up with sequences in this show. It's like, how can we put these, in the, uh, put these two characters in a position? And then they just somehow find a way to put it there. You had pitched this season in particular to me as they just don't care about these characters. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the show will do anything to these characters. And by the finale... These are not the same characters from season one, two, or even the season three. The premiere. beginning of three, yeah. Pack your no, stuff, Zach. This is a this is a bleak journey about terrible people in a lot of cases and the the like horrible ramifications of the the things they do. Right, like this is a show that I think in its third season really wanted to interrogate like what happens after violence happens right like there there so many shows are about when the person is shot or why the person is shot but season three really explores like how how do you live with it how do you live with yourself how do the people around you get affected by the emotional baggage that you carry and by the end of the third season it has unraveled all of these characters lives in a way that feels so true to to what their experiences would be like and daring in a way that TV doesn't normally go like the the way that season 3 ends it it's the thing that has to happen but it's the thing that most shows would be way too chicken to actually pull off because it puts three? them into yeah. a corner and it puts them, yes. it puts them into a corner but they they're smart enough to know that that's what should happen they're they're never they're never scared to burn storylines they're never scared to do something that you can't take back this is a show that really really goes for it in a lot of ways and i mean it, a lot of people have been talking about how it's no longer a comedy i still think this is a hilarious show it's some of the darkest laughs imaginable some of the the bleakest humor you you can find like even even in that eighth episode which people say there aren't really jokes in it there are some jokes in it they're just really really uncomfortable upsetting and dark jokes um but yeah the way that the drama has been ratcheted up in this third season is is unreal bill Hader is an incredible director yeah i'm i i do not know what they're gonna do in season four but frankly i don't care i trust them at this point I love how they write themselves purposefully into the corner just to see if they can get out yeah. of it. Yeah. You know? It's, it seems um, like it's fun for them. Yes. They're like, test. It's, you know how Chappelle says when he goes up there, he's just trying to like not make the audience laugh but himself giggle? Yeah. Uh, they're do, they do this in the show. It is like, it's crazy the lengths that they go to. I still think yeah. uh, that that episode seven, was it six? Because it has this guy right here, the uh, barista. 
It also has the uh, <laughs> Mitch, beignets by Mitch, the highway scene, and it has. I don't have a still of her here, but when they go to the audition, and then a little more, yeah. Oh, with Vanessa Bayer. <laughs> Eleven out of ten. Did you? Scene. Eleven out of ten. I don't scene. know if you've, I don't know if you've listened to any behind the scenes of it, but I think it's really interesting. Um, they realized in editing that the scene only worked when they took Vanessa Bayer's voice and duplicated it into Jesse Thorne. So it's literally, they're playing the same sound again. <laughs> we have a it's very, very season it's a really three after credits. Damn, bro. I also want to talk about season two, that sequel, because I never saw the episode with the little girl on the rooftop. Dude, we'll talk We'll talk about it all. Ron, Ron and Lily. Yeah, we haven't talked about Ronnie Lily, bro. We got to talk about a lot of stuff on Barry after credits. If y'all have not seen it, this is a no-spoiler review. Catch it. Everyone's fantastic. Uh, I, I, you're going to think this is sacrilegious. I ain't care for No Ho Hank. Really? I do now. That's what I'm yeah. saying. It grew on me. That, I, I wasn't at first. It took a bit. I'm so grown mm-hmm. on him. She the, the has way, some of the craziest the way, development for uh, Sarah Goldberg's character. Some of the craziest mm-hmm. development. Bro. It's too much to talk about. The way they... Take the change Noho the way they change Noho Hank from this like joke tangent side character into somebody that you're really emotionally invested in by the end of season three is is unreal. And without giving it away, that sequence that is done entirely through sound design, incredible. Just in ha- you rarely see craft on that level in, nah. in anything, let alone on TV. Nah, it's, it's crazy. So good. It's Devesh so has, good. Devesh has said it's still very funny and yes, very dark, just like what you were saying. This is what I expect yeah. a comedian to do. A comedian who's been in comedy for so long, this is the next evolution to that comedy. Mm-hmm. It's it's great, yeah. It, it's fantastic. Um, if you are on HBO, which is definitely the place to freaking be right now, dude, there is another yes. one that I know you haven't caught, so I'll be really quick with this one. It is called The yeah, Baby. Please. Uh, I had mentioned it a little bit prior, but it is now wrapped up its season. I think it's a very nice little season, um, where a woman ends up with a baby and, uh, the baby causes crazy things to happen around, uh, her. And the, by the end of the season, you get some flashback episodes that really flesh out the lore of this, flesh out the characters. You get to meet, uh, a lot of her uh, family and acquaintances, and I think it's a it's a pretty good little uh, horror slash comedy um, and very thematic uh, uh, miniseries. I, I think it's a miniseries. I don't know if they're because they called it a limited series, but mm. you know they always continue it. I think it's a good self contained right. story. It's only three hours and forty six. If you sit with it, again all episodic. Um, I love the cinematography in this, and this is another one that does a lot of really great homages to previous stuff in very clever ways, mm. like Rosemary's Baby and such. So, uh, if you're curious in this one, give it a shot over on HBO Max. Is this like HBO, all thriller horror stuff, or or is it a little bit kind of like subversive and funny too? Like, is yeah, it, no, what's it's it like, tonally? Yeah, it, it's it's got the horror elements when it comes to the baby, but not really. A lot of it is like, uh, what does it mean for this woman who just doesn't want to be a parent? And then you mm. realize her backstory and how she had to like, she has she has a certain upbringing that causes that. So it's very reflective. It's a, it's very much a drama. It uh, it's very mm. it's as much a drama and a comedy as it is a horror. So that's why okay. I really like the tone of it. Uh, the baby on HBO and it's an HBO original, not an HBO Max. I love that for you though. Is over on Showtime. I know it is very difficult yeah, to, to of tell Vanessa people. Bear. 
to go get another one. Vanessa Bayer killed it in what two minutes, and I still can't believe you just told me that about that sequence. It makes me love it even more. Um, <laughs> she kills it in this. She kills it in this. She kills it in this. She's so this good. This is the story She's of so a good. girl who was raised, not ra- a girl who had cancer growing up, goes away, and when she finally signs, uh, is able to get a job at this shopping network that she grew up watching from the hospital. She's ready like to take QVC. it over, and then they fire her. So she has to come up with, um, you can't fire me because I have cancer. The character, you know, a comedy is all about characters. The characters in mm-hmm. this make up all of it. It is some of the best cringe comedy. No one does it better than her. I mean, it, I don't. she's the queen at it. I don't think anyone can, yeah. can beat her. The only one who can rival her is Molly Shannon, and they're a duo in this. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to give a really big shout out to uh, the actress who plays Patricia, Jennifer Lewis. This is a great comedy, mm. and I think the writing in this, especially by the end of it, gets like r- like really good to the point where it's more than just a comedy. I want to see a nomination for Jennifer Lewis. What she does by the end of the season I thought was fantastic. It is why I'm telling people to put this one on your radar. Uh, Vanessa Bayer yeah. kills it. It is I don't know. I, I, I've loved a lot of the episodes in this. Uh, I love that for you over on Showtime, and considering their deal with Paramount, might come out on Paramount. Plus soon, I, I don't know what they're doing over there at Viacom, um, but yeah, I'm gonna stop playing this because I know Viacom and they'll they'll like they'll hit us. But I love that for you. <laughs> it's a little. It's a really excellent show. I, I, you I seen mean, it? we would, yeah yeah yeah. I'm up on it, dude. Um, you finished We talked thing? about it a little. No, I I haven't seen the last two. Um, Zach, I'm really excited to. There is a cameo <sighs> that's gonna make you burst out laughing at the end of seven, and then what they do with him in eight. Please watch it. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, like you, like you're saying, this is like a perfect project for Vanessa Bayer. I actually found out recently she had lymphoma as a child. I re- so like she's basing this on on some real stuff. Uh, it, it's I don't know. It's a very interesting project. I think, like you said, the characters are really good. It's not just her. Like they they've really thought about the the dynamics between all the people in this home shopping network, uh, and it ma- feels like something where they're gonna have a lot of room to continue to grow the show beyond Agreed. just this season yep so again catch the one over on showtime really quick under the banner of heaven one episode away i, from I only caught this. the first one of these but yeah how, how did this one wrap up so i thought it was like a it's a really good drama really good performances mm-hmm. from everybody involved about a detective having to investigate mormons and and something that has happened that not only calls to question the case but his own faith because these mormons did this for a reason uh it is a, an incredible procedural drama it becomes a horror when netflix releases this docu-series that is still on the <laughs> trending page called keep sweet pray and obey um yep that's just telling you everything that's happening in this show but from like the actual people so uh <laughs> if you want to be freaked out but you also want like the craziest double feature that has to do with real life events go catch under the banner of heaven over on uh fx hulu and then honestly go see this docuseries because every single episode for this docuseries had me going what the hell um <laughs> some crazy stuff dude the the mormons out there <laughs> they're, they're, they're under a lot of scrutiny right now is all i'll say but some crazy crazy um features and docuseries out there put those on your radar wrapping up the last in streaming love victor finally ended in its third season it was a hulu original because it was it was a no-go on on uh, disney plus it was too mature and uh, (laughs) as you can see right there it is now on 
it, it's not on Disney Plus, Zach. Uh, it is okay for it to be on Disney Plus after I don't know yeah. what. <laughs> I mean, now we got but, Jessica Jones fucking Luke Cage on Disney Plus, so, so it don't, it don't everything really goes. Um, the wrap up to the season uh, is also the wrap up to the series, and I think they just decided to just cut it. Uh, I thought the first season was cute. Second season was all right. Third season, same level to the second season, but it very much, I think, is derivative of the original movie, which is what it's a spinoff of, Love, Simon. I feel that they don't actually flesh out the characters to the extreme that they could have. I am team a certain relationship in this movie or series, <laughs> and while I do think uh, it does a good job at fulfilling their storylines, I think it could have been more profound in the way that it ended it. I think it still leaves a lot of storylines unfinished, for a series that is over. That's the only way that I'll put it. It, it feels very rush, rushed. It feels like it got mm. the How I Met Your Mother treatment, where it's like, all right, let's just go through every possible scenario for all of our characters in the final season, and we'll see how they handle it, uh, which mm. I think is a disservice to the show. I felt like it was still getting a, a lot of attention, uh, and they decided to wrap it up. So I don't know. They might have a, they have had Love, Simon, Love, Victor. They might have a Love, somebody else. But uh, you can now catch this over on Hulu and on Disney+. Plus. I think it's still at the same level as what the first season was if you caught that one. Cool. We are big fans of American Vandal, and on Paramount+, Plus, they finally have a new show. The creators of American Vandal came out with Players, a mockumentary, almost 30 for 30 uh, approach at esports. It is fully one-on-one -on -one handling it as if there is an old player, the old legend who is now really scared that the new, younger, maybe even the face of the esports arena is kind of treading on his ground. I am not as invested in esports, so a lot of the jokes go over my head. Um, it is also not as funny and as sharp as I would say American Vandal was, but it's oh. got that close play. It's, it still has that same vibe. Okay. I don't know if you're able to catch any episodes of it, but it's the paramount no, i really wanted to because i'm <laughs> i mean look yeah i just i love the american vandal guys so much that i'm rooting for them i'll definitely check this out i i wanted to but paramount plus plus just decided to not work for me this weekend so yeah. i gotta look into that but uh yeah it's out there uh it also took us a while to realize who this guy was do you know who this is i don't know if you could see him steven schneider he plays one of the like he plays the Moneyball guy for them and we kept staring at him, and I don't. All we thought of like something about his his washing machine, no, his dishwasher. He's the next door neighbor in Broad City, who she dates, and it just made us oh. laugh like crazy. So you have a really good comedic cast in this, um, but I think it it very much relies on how much of esports you know, or else the jokes go over your head. Uh, but players mm. over on Paramount Plus, and then the final thing that I want to give a shout out to is the old man on Hulu. This this is a freaking good show. Zach, this is just really? my primer over here. I only saw the premiere. Um, it's a former CIA officer living off grid, and people come to kill him. Uh, John Lithgow mm -hmm. is great in this, but freaking Jeff Bridges, fucking he the man. owns the. He freaking just comes in, and he's practically acting alongside himself and the dogs. He has two dogs in this series. They're better actors than a lot of the TV series we've seen. Uh, I'm just going to put it there. It is shot beautifully. You think I'm lying. Wait till you see these dogs. They are. It, it, this is probably one of the uh, most hyped premieres that I've seen from a series. Uh, and it's also part of that Hulu FX uh, little combo thing. So the old right. man over on Hulu. But well, I'm excited to check this street. one out. Uh, yeah, the, the first one was directed by. Yeah, that fir the first one at least was directed by John Watts, interestingly <laughs> enough. So really? finally getting away from the uh, superhero realm. 
good. I guess he actually has some directing flair. <laughs> Who would have thought? Yeah, I'm curious to check out The Old Man. Um, you know, if it's a good enough project to bring Jeff Bridges to TV, then I think uh, it it earns some attention. 100%. But that's everything right, that so we watched this week. Zach's going to do a little shout-out to the yeah. patrons. Yeah, we'd like to thank the Intercuity Plus patrons, those wonderful people who are supporting the show. They are Ewan, Julieta, Garrett, Tim, Elizabeth, Josh, Ashley, and our newest patron, Marian, who I actually owe a uh, patron message to. We'll get there. Uh, we also have our Academy-level members who are Tushar, Caveman, Connor, Pete, and Sean. And, of course, a big thanks to the producer-level patron known only as awkward thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash intercut pod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines access to the private channels on the intercut discord or an invitation to our monthly patron google meetings the most the next one of which is happening today after our live stream so yeah come hang out yell at us for our opinions about Lightyear or jurassic world or top gun maverick and uh we may play another board game what board game did you get for uh, the, we got another trivia game because we, we need a, a rematch last time it was down to the wire uh before our chat ended out there and i want to see uh who comes in to compete this time i, I promise that the questions will be a little bit easier this time <laughs> all right so yeah once again that's patreon.com slash intercut pod Moving on to the yay or nay. I want to begin it with a really Let's quick comment it. that we got over here. Devesh had something to ask us. If we've caught on that JK Sissy Spacek show, the one on Prime. I'm blanking on what the name of it is. Uh, and the also Night the Sky, boys. something like that? Yeah. So the Night Sky, uh, again, I would compare the Night Sky, a lot of a lot of Prime shows actually. The Night Sky and then The Outside, the one with Josh Brolin. Um, yeah. Oh, shoot. What's that one? Yeah. I- I'm blanking on it. It's The Outer Something. Um the old man's better than those, both of those two. It, the old man kind of reminds me of like bits of those two, uh, but like even better as a drama and and very intense. But I did catch one episode. Outer uh, range. Outer range. I, I do like outer range. I haven't finished it, and I also like uh, the first episode, of Night Sky. I thought it was gonna be. It, it's a lot more dramatic. It's actually very sad. It's about like two people who are in love and they're getting older and they don't know if they'll be able to still be there to take care of each other. And I was just like, this is a lot heavier than I expected hmm. it to be. Uh, but I look forward to finishing both of those. And the boys, I'm behind one episode. Um, <sighs> A lot of people seem to be reacting to this new episode. Made me want to get back on. Is it a musical? Uh, Someone was talking about a musical. There's a musical sequence or something. I don't know. Okay. Well, speaking of musicals, Zach, <laughs> if you're not watching it on uh, streaming, then you're probably going to be in theaters watching the new, whenever this is going to come out, Joker musical. <laughs> Joker 2. I've got two. nothing to say. I don't have anything to say. This is you. I... What am I, our Joker expert? All of a sudden, you no, you're our cinema expert. <laughs> <laughs> you're our Oscar expert, bro. This, what, this is no longer. The... This is no longer comic books, bro. This is graphic novels. Okay, this is. Oh, okay, okay. What? Why Man, I I, I am really confused by this. Um, it seems like a bad enough idea in the first place to just make a sequel to that movie like I know I know a lot of people really liked it and I'm not trying to be like oh why does this movie why did the Joker even exist it's not it's not about that it's a little bit just like it feels like a one-off and to return to that world is a little bit strange especially under 
these circumstances? I mean, I don't know, man. Todd Phillips, I'm sure, has some idea that'll rip off some other filmmakers that he loves. But I love New York. I love I, New York or New York, New York. Another uh, De Niro movie. Yeah. It it just seems very misguided to me, personally. Interesting. I feel like everyone who liked the original Joker is too confused with this, and everyone who hated the original Joker is like curious. <laughs> so it's gonna it's yeah. gonna be chaos all over again. Hey, I'll see I, it. I, I'm down for another 2019 movie season, bro. Love it or hate it, Joker was a part of was that entire year. entire push. So uh, you need yeah. some chaos along the mix. Um, I just think I, I worry that Todd Phillips uh, about Todd Phillips reaching too hard. You know, like, and and maybe it'll be that's funny, thing, I guess. But yeah, like that, like just work within yourself a little bit, right? Like know what your strengths are. Go Infinity and Beyond, Zach. Julia Garner won the Madonna Boot Camp. Was she your top yeah. pick? Now, a lot of people were going um, for this role. I, yeah, a lot of people were going for this role. I thought Julia Garner, at least from a physicality standpoint, seems like she's the best fit. Like there, people have been sharing. There's a, like an image that's like a close up of Madonna that looks a lot like a close up of Julia Garner. Um, I also think Julia Garner is a great actress. Uh, even though she was in the the show Inventing Anna, I still think she's a great actress. You know, she defends um, so that accent. I, <laughs> I know she does. Um, I, so I do think that this is like good casting. Um, you know, I, I, I was kind of curious about some of the other choices they brought in. Like Alexa Demi apparently got pretty far in the boot camp process. According and I was to her. <laughs> but yeah. I, it's also that this is all complicated by the fact that Madonna is supposed to direct this movie as well. Too so no. it'll be extremely interesting to see how Madonna envisions her own story, and that's part of why I wanted it to be somebody who maybe doesn't physically resemble Madonna. That that's like that's who Madonna would choose to represent her. Um, but I yeah, I think Julia Garner, at least from a physical standpoint, uh, kind of felt like the best choice from the beginning of this process. Yeah, um, I don't know if I like her as much as an actress as an actress as like Florence Pugh, who was also involved, but. I I don't know if Dodge I like Florence Pugh in this role. I I, no. I think I like Julia Garner for this role. Mm -hmm. Directing, well, I've seen her direct her own TikToks. Uh, I don't. <laughs> I, I'm not looking forward to that. I didn't realize uh, yeah. that for the new generation. I mean, this it, yeah. with Madonna directing, this might be a lot more like a inventing Anna performance than a Ozark performance. I have no idea what she's gonna be doing in that, but yeah, that's so scary. That for the new generation, I I think they know Madonna starting that Drake. Assault little thingy that she did where he said he almost right. puked uh, forward. But all right, the Madonna. I didn't even realize that. Look at I'm on Vogue, bro. Looking this up, so that's kind of funny right there. Uh, mm. But moving on to the other final category of what is upcoming, which is the new to see, and we want to begin yes. with a couple of different. Uh, film festivals that are on the horizon. We have been mentioning the Tribeca Film Festival, which is on right now, and yeah. Uh, it's been interesting. I think you've yeah. been able to catch a couple more than I have. It's been a little uh, all over the place because some are at home, some are over there. Yeah, you sent me a marquee a that they had for opening day, and it was <laughs> blank. Yeah, I've been a little bit confused by some of the rollout for this festival, and I think the people involved in the festival maybe have been a little bit confused as well. I think well, they ask but, those questions sometimes. Uh, you remember that one time they asked you what the embargo was? <laughs> Yeah, that was that was weird. Uh, publicists should be better at their jobs sometimes. But 
Um, as far as the movies, I mean, there are some interesting movies. You know, I think Tribeca, they don't typically get like the huge premieres that you'll get at a TIFF or a Venice or a Sundance or a Con. But you get a lot of these sort of like scrappy independent movies and uh, occasional like interesting character projects starring celebrities. Um the move, first movie that jumped out to me is Wes Schlagenhoff is Dying, which I know you got to catch as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an irreverent co- road trip comedy about a couple of <laughs> filmmakers who take a road trip to go see their friend who has COVID. 19. Uh, yes, this is a COVID movie, and it, it feels very like mid-2020 in terms of its conception and uh, some of the jokes, which, you know, just in, in watching it, like I kind of vacillated between like, oh, I'm so tired of seeing this, and oh, that's actually pretty funny and clever, and I sort of went back and forward All right, we're constantly. the same. Okay, we are exactly the same then, yes. There are moments yeah. where this feels like a, like you said, a mid-20s movie, and then there's like, oh, this feels like a sketch on YouTube that's now been submitted to a film festival and made feature length. Right. And then they'll literally stop the movie to like talk about the film festivals that they might submit the movie into, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> all right, I can't, oh, okay. Right, like they do this whole road trip th- uh, montage where they keep stopping at different fast food restaurants. Like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's kind of cute. Uh, the but, cameo bit. Uh, the cameo bit <laughs> was pretty funny. Yeah, the ca- the cameo bit is very funny. Uh, shouts to Mark Duplass, uh, Darcy Carden, another person who was on Barry, also shows up here is uh, briefly funny. You know, th- there's there's spots, and I think there's enough moments and spots in this film, which is only seventy eight minutes long, that. I think it's fun, particularly like if you if you know about filmmaking and you know about festivals and you can like relate to their experience because this ultimately is a movie about these guys who are have made movies together as friends and what that friendship has like evolved to. Mm-hmm. So I think there's enough there to recommend it. I, it made me made me laugh and it didn't annoy me a lot. Um, yeah, there's there's a few very funny moments in here. So Wes Schlegenhoff is dying, one of the standouts from uh, Tribeca. And then another standout, sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum, in the midnight section, is the horror film A Wounded Fawn. This one comes from director Travis Stevens. Uh, and it's, a, it's about a man who... Uh, I guess like, he's like a charming serial killer who finds the tables turned on him what in an unexpected way. Um, you know, the movie that I thought of, I don't know if you thought of this at all, uh, was Fresh, which at least mm. in its beginning has a similar premise of like, m- scary man takes woman to isolated cabin. But the thing that's really different here is that from that moment on, I felt like Fresh played out in a pretty like, predictable way even though there's fun elements about fresh there's about nothing you can predict that happens in wounded fawn this is like a a horrific movie in the sense that it is it sometimes feels like an assault on your brain and your logic in that new elements will pop up and suddenly there'll be a new situation or a new uh costume that feels like your brain is melting watching it uh it it really does feel like you are being attacked in some kind of way and i don't know if i felt like i i fully understood uh it in terms of like a linear progression but i i experienced a lot from it it viscerally felt very uncomfortable and then by the end arrives in a pretty like appropriate and and like starkly funny ending i think yeah. um 
I really like Josh Rubin in this one too. The guy who directed Werewolves Within uh, plays the main serial killer in this, and I thought it was really good. I, I just thought there was a lot of really creative imagery and, and haunting visuals here. So if you're into the horror stuff, the midnight section, check out A Wounded Fawn. I think I like this one. He was in Greener Grass, too, so he, know, he knows cinema. Uh, it reminded me a lot of movies like Revenge and You're Next. But then, like you said, yeah. Um, yeah, by the third act, you realize it doesn't do what those movies do. I like those movies probably a little bit more. But if you enjoy those mm-hmm. movies, this is one to have on your radar. And like Zach said, I, I need to rewatch it again. Because now I need to, like, yeah, yeah, pay attention right from the beginning it's, and see how it plays out. Those movies you mentioned are a little more, like, clean and satisfying. Exactly. And this one I wouldn't call either of those things, but it doesn't mean it's bad in any way. It's just well, not no, that's what, what makes it they're unique. going for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing. Yeah. So that's why I'd say definitely so, yeah, and I think one. I think both those films, even though Tribeca, the in-person festival, ended over the weekend, Tribeca at Home is still going on for at least another week. So you might mm-hmm. be able to catch either of those films or some other movies. We'll, uh, we'll be back with some more Tribeca picks on next weekend's uh, next weekend must-watch. So, yeah, keep tuned. Yeah, it's going up until, I think, Friday. So there's a lot of stuff for that at home. So definitely check that out. Another one that's going to be starting on Wednesday is a film festival that has accredited me for like three years in a row. And this will be the first time that I'll be attending uh, virtually. And that is the Benton Film Festival. Uh, They have a couple of movies that I've been wanting to check out that I miss at a couple of other festivals. It's the Gina Davis Festival. And she's like the one who pioneered it. Obviously, she's all over the website. Uh, this one starts right there, as you can see, June 22nd, in-person and virtual. And the virtual runs a little bit longer. So if you're curious to check out some of the movies there, head over to the website, check some of that out. I'll be getting some of our picks out there as well. Um, but cool. Let's go through the new to see, Zach. Run me through them. Yeah, so tonight, June 20th, over on HBO, the Big Boy Channel, we have Mind Over Murder. This is the latest true crime series. This is a documentary series, a six-part series. Uh, but this one comes from director Nanfu Wang, who, if you remember, is the yes, visionary sir. behind In the Same Breath and One Child Nation, two un- incredible documentaries, two She's documentaries awesome. that are are each so good that I, after watching them, I thought, how is she ever going to make something this good again? And man, I don't know if you've seen any of the, I don't know if you've seen any of the early reviews, but people are saying that she's reinvented true crime docuseries with this. She has to, bro. She's, she's the one. We've been saying this for with most directors. With most directors, I don't know if I would believe that with Nanfu Wong. I totally do. So mind over murder. That one starts tonight. Can't, can't wait to praise it next week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on June 22nd, this Wednesday, Chernobyl, The Lost Tapes, hits HBO Max. So some more Chernobyl content uh, courtesy of HBO. Also, like you mentioned, The Umbrella Academy is back for a third season on Netflix. Uh, the much-hyped and much-watched show returns. You, you said you caught a little bit of it? I don't know what we're allowed. I think we're allowed to say something. I'm not sure. Um, I think season one's still been the best. Season two was interesting. Season yeah. three, I still have a couple episodes left, but I I don't think it's worse. But it, I don't think it's surpassed the previous season so far, but it's able to build some interesting stuff. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll still have a big release. We'll talk about it more next week once it's uh, more widely available, I'm For sure. I expect you and to catch up on the on... entire show. <laughs> Seasons one, two, and three. And then also on... Uh, Wednesday, June 22nd, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness uh, hits Disney+. Plus. So for those of you who have been avoiding the theaters, that one will be on streaming. 
June 23rd, The Bear hits FX on Hulu. I think yes, all sir. eight episodes will be out on June 23rd. So uh-huh. we're going to have to catch those soon, too. It's shot here in Chicago, bro. I know a lot of these, these locations, and it looks... Oh. Ah. Awesome. Okay, I'm definitely going to catch up on that soon. Friday, June 24th, we have a Finally. whole bunch of new movies in streaming and theaters. The one that I am extre- extremely excited for because it's been so long is Honestly. Apples from Christus Niku. This was Greece's 2020 submission to the Academy Awards, a really peculiar uh, little film about uh, a alternate future where there's a plague giving people amnesia and a facility that's set up to help people who've forgotten their identities build new ones. This is a, it's a really intriguing kind of like social norms comedy, the way that a lot of Yorgos Lanthimos movies are. This definitely feels like part of the Greek weird wave of films that we we've been getting. Um, But there's kind of like, like a sneaky emotional gut punch in apples that I was I was really not expecting, and I, oh, I can't yeah, get this movie is. out you of my head. You just reminded me with the plot. Yeah, all right. Then I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to rewatching this one. And I, I think because you had mentioned Yorgos, I think the director may have worked with him on something. I, I can't exactly he was remember. The second unit director on Dogtooth. <sighs> Damn. So working with the best. Yeah. And then you had mentioned to me you you sent me the link to his newest movie, Fingernails. Yes. And you're like, check out that cast. I just scroll there, just looking to see some freaking Jesse Buckley and Riz Ahmed. Yeah, the boy, yes, the girl, like uh, incredible, incredible actors. So if that is any indication of the level of quality of Apples, it's that people like Riz and Jesse want to work with him on his next movie, which is going to be his English language debut. That's fire. All right, check it out. Apples. Uh, available on Peacock on Friday, Downton Abbey, a new era. That's I've never quick. seen any of the Downton Abbeys, but but I heard this one is actually pretty charming. All right, I'm, I'm, I've yeah. neither gone to Downton Abbeys, but but yeah, you're right. What that is it? a pretty quick turnaround. Uh, quick, yeah. I feel like that's been like, is it less than 45 days since it hit theaters? Uh, it came out the same day as Bob's Burgers, or the week so before. So yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. It came out the same All week right. as Men. So that's like around out. 45 days-ish. Probably less, maybe more like 30. It's less. Yeah. Well, there you go. Flux Gourmet is the latest from cool. IFC Films. This one hits theaters, digital and VOD. This nice. one comes directed by Peter Strickland, the yes, guy sir. who made Duke of Burgundy, a really underrated gem. Love Duke uh, of Burgundy. got Asa Butterfield and Gwendolyn Christie in this one, too. I'm very excited to check this one out because Peter Me Strickland's too. a very interesting director. Uh-huh. And it's it's a very yeah. interesting uh, premise that they got there. I love people sort of set up themselves. I'm going as blank. I, I haven't even seen a trailer. I heard one line about what the movie's about. That's all I need. Awesome. Uh, over on Apple TV Plus, Loot. This is a new series featuring Maya Rudolph, Ron Funches, Joel Kim Booster, MJ Rodriguez, Nat Faxon, and Adam Scott about a billionaire uh, divorcee who wants to pledge her money to charity it's kind of like what the it's like the Mackenzie bezos story or something okay. as a series uh but a lot of very funny people so i'm excited to check this one out i don't know if you've had a chance uh to watch it since apple tv normally sends us stuff early so we had the whole uh, thing and they don't play trailers on apple tv so i had to play the first episode and if i saw the first 10 minutes i was like oh this is pretty funny so i am looking forward to catching up on the whole season i think it's being all released at once unless apple's gone back to the yeah i'm not sure about that one 
Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, it'll be weekly. So first three episodes, and then it goes weekly. All right. All right, cool. Rise over on Disney Plus. This is based on the story of the Antacumpo brothers, including yeah. Giannis and their their story growing up in Greece and immigrating to the U.S. So I don't know. I I think they're I think they're a cool uh, group of athletes. But you told I, me I this wasn't Giannis, a doc. So. I keep thinking yeah, I think it's, it's a, a doc, and every time right? I come to it, it, it I says it's, it's live action. Fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Or we'll, we'll see. I, I feel like. The, you're kind of hit or miss on the biopics of of people who are still currently famous. So yeah, it's pushing uh, two hours. We'll see. I like them too. I like yeah. the brothers. On Netflix, Man <laughs> versus B. Yes. With Rowan Atkinson. Yes, sir. This is a ten ten minute episodes. <laughs> I, I, you a fan of Mr. Bean? I'm a fan of Mr. Bean. Yo, Mr. Bean, come on, bro. Yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah, classic. Mr. Bean, bro. I don't know what this is. I 10, feel like ten minute episodes. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like a lot of people were making fun of this on Netflix, like not realizing that this is what Rowan Ad- like it's ridiculous because it's Rowan Atkinson. Do you know what I mean? They maybe yeah, maybe they don't know him. It's, it's been a while since the last yeah. Bean movie. Uh, Johnny English don't do yeah, it either. Not, but. They're not up on their Johnny English. Yeah, I guess it's just, it's just him fighting a bee, bro. I don't. Know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I swear, if in the ten minutes he beats uh, Pentaveret, then Mr. Bean takes this one this year, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On hits theaters yes, on Friday. This is with Jenny Slate, Rosa Salazar, Thomas Mann, Isabella Rossellini. I, I'm extremely excited. I actually have a screening of this one tomorrow night, so I am hyped. But you have told me very good things about it. Yeah, I got to. Uh, you were, I was actually at South by. I was seated for it, but I wasn't going to be able to make it to X, so I had to leave it. I was just like, hey, I know this is playing at Chicago. I walk out. I'm Skyping you or FaceTime, whatever it is that we were on. And yeah. I show you, uh, what's her name? Jenny Slate Jenny right Slate. in front of me. <laughs> and I'm walking down the stairs and they kick me out and they're like, you're not supposed to be here. So I walk right by her. Um, yo, she's awesome. She's, she's, she's really funny. She just has this bright energy to her. And I think her voice work here is Marshall, which I think a lot of people may have seen the YouTube videos. It brings back the same team, the director, who's also in the movie. Uh, it's mm-hmm. freaking delightful. Marshall the Shells with okay. Shoes On by A24. Check this one out in theaters. It's really stinking cute, dude. I'm very excited. It just seems very sweet, very sweet, cute. Uh, the Black Phone also hit the theaters. Not a very cute movie. This one <laughs> comes from the combo of director Scott Derrickson and writer uh, Robert Cargill, who I think they also collaborated on uh, Sinister, Sinister and Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yep. So, yeah, they've had a few movies together now. They're bringing back Ethan Hawke, who was also the star of Sinister for this one. I'm excited. Uh, a pretty interesting movie about... Uh, a a guy who kidnaps uh, children and keeps them in his basement, uh, you know, has that real life horror element to it. But then there are these additional kind of supernatural horror elements that are woven in, in not like an over the top way. I, I kind of enjoyed this one a bit more than I was expecting to. Like it's a little, it's a little bit, um, I, I, there's not a lot to explore. I feel like maybe it's a little bit bland, but it's it's creepy and the vibe is very good. You saw like it? I think yeah, yeah, they did the early screening, the early oh. AMC screening, so okay. I got I saw last week, man. I'm um, looking forward to it. But yeah, I I would recommend this one. I thought it was pretty good, pretty solid horror movie. Sounds good. And then yeah. The big movie of the weekend, <laughs> I guess, big. directed by Baz Lerman. Big. 
<laughs> and there's a secret four-hour cut, according to Baz Luhrmann, of Elvis, the uh, latest musical biopic. This one with Tom Hanks and as, as well as Austin Butler playing the role of Elvis Presley. Uh, it got mixed reviews at Con. Apparently, yes. they what you have Backstreet, Backstreet Boys songs and Britney Spears songs interwoven into the Elvis songs. Uh, in a similar sort of like musical medley thi- thing to Moulin Rouge. I don't know why you need to do that in your Elvis, Elvis movie, but I'm very curious to find out why they tried. I mean, Doja is in the lead single for the soundtrack, so I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, I am excited for it. I am a Baz Luhrmann. Yeah. Uh, he makes me very curious. I like seeing Baz Luhrmann films. I just saw Moulin Rouge not yeah. too long ago. I love and hate the man at the same time. This looks like a disaster, but there's some shots that are so over the top. Like, I don't know. I like it. There, there's some match cutting in the trailers. I am looking forward to this. I am. I am... Dara flew anything that I could take. I am taking it, so I am back and ready to go testing negative and... and coming out of this and hopefully coming awesome. out positive <laughs> we'll see elvis <laughs> this weekend but uh, i think that's everything zach your picks for the yeah. week all right so we already talked about apples i am absolutely going to check out apples again as soon as i can um i'd also recommend the black phone i'm probably going to go watch that again so i can uh catch it with my girlfriend who's the big horror fan in her household she really liked <laughs> sinister i don't know i don't know how you felt oh, yeah, about sinister but I-, I thought sinister was pretty good and i'm i actually i'm, I'm do a rewatch i'm curious to see what i think about yeah. it now so before i go see black phone i'm gonna rewatch that one i i, I missed it so uh, i missed it so I'm, I'm gonna have to rewatch it because i i enjoyed the black phone so yeah sounds good uh, i would recommend that one uh, I'm very excited to see Marcel the Shell with shoes on, and I anticipate that it'll be good enough that everybody else should try to see Marcel the Shell with shoes on as well. So that's I definitely say, one I of my picks cry, for the week. I hope you cry, but I hope you cry. But my last moments, one bro. is <laughs> my last one is Mind Over Murder, the true crime series premiering on HBO tonight. Mm. Nanfu Wang has not let us down yet with her documentaries, nope. so. I anticipate this will be another excellent one. So those are my picks. Art, what are your picks for the week? Uh, a bunch of just uh, streaming stuff. So if you're at home and you've never had the chance to see Wolf of Wall Street, it is finally out on Prime and on Paramount, two services that I think a lot of people have. It's one of the best movies of all time, and it barely gets a lot of streaming stuff. So I thought it was really interesting that they got that twofer little streaming thing uh, where it appears in two services at once. Over on Netflix, one of mm. my favorite docs from South By, I want to say from last year, is yeah. streaming Who We Are. I think it's a very in-depth look uh, at you know just chronicling a lot of the stuff in America. And I think the way he approaches yeah. it is done in a very academic level. Um, a good pair favorite? with like Ava DuVernay's The 13th or something yep, like that. because it'll be up, a, up on Netflix yeah, for sure. Excellent documentary. On Hulu, uh, this was our favorite, favorite movie <laughs> of the year. The Worst Person in yep. the World is now on Hulu, and I will definitely be rewatching this. Um, yep. The best recommendation I can give is freaking watch it. I don't know what else to tell you. It's one of the best. <laughs> um, and then yeah. just one little shout out to For All Mankind, which I've been catching up with season two. Now that season three is out, a lot of people have been hyping up the show. I, it, it's a solid show, dude. It, it is shot yeah. beautifully over on Apple TV, and it has some very interesting characters. And it took me a while to realize that uh, one of the characters is uh, Penny from Lost, and she's just she's a dope character in the show. Yeah, oh, it's damn. fantastic. So uh, you're right, bro. This Apple's, is... Apple's on that HBO type of run. Apple's on the run. HBO should be on sometimes, and, and this, is definitely, this is definitely up there. This is one of those shows that I think gets the kind of like – 
hype that it's like the best show that nobody's talking about on TV right now. Like I, I haven't seen it, but there's critics that I think are extremely, extremely smart and they all oh, love so. this show. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you're enjoying it too. I want to catch up with it. Yeah. Three seasons out, but yep. Those are my picks for the week. Awesome. So those are our picks for the week. Let us know your picks for the week and what you've been watching in the comments or by emailing us, intercutpod at gmail.com. That's about all for this edition of Weekend Must Watch. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. That's Z-S-H-E-V as in Irma Vep, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show. Art, where can people, where can people find more from you? You can find me over at LME Explain on Twitter on... I always forget, bro. Letterbox, But every week here on the Intercut Podcast, that's what matters. You can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I happen to like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the audio podcast, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekend Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to iTunes to give us that much-requested five-star review that does a lot to help us grow the show and put us on those podcast charts like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages or support the Patreon. All of them are at Intricate Pod. And to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. And you can also find a link to join our Discord community in the links in our episode description. But thanks again for tuning in. And until next next time... Los Immortales passed away. See y'all in the hangout.